Hello, and thank you for joining us here at the FAAA Congress. We are doing the podcast live from the very exciting opening ceremony drinks, which is uh, people gathering around having a few few uh, gins, I believe. Amanda Borkham, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Fantastic. Now, you're, of course, presenting here to, at the conference this week. Tell us a very quick overview of your, of your presentation. Yes, I am. I'm presenting on Beat the Burnout and Rise Above. I'm essentially sharing my story. I used to be a financial planner and talking about stress, burnout, what they are, um, also some personality traits that are more prone to burnout, and then my three-step process, which is to catch the signs and signals, check in with yourself, and to tool up. So some practical tools and lifestyle strategies that people can take away. Fantastic. Now, I'm intrigued. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yes. Well, my story is that I was a financial planner for over 17 years, and in November 2021, I actually burnt out. And I was so unwell by the end that I ended up resigning from my job and leaving a career that I'd actually loved for 17 years. And I decided that I really wanted to help people. I'd been interested in the wellbeing space for quite a while. So I retrained to become a certified health and mental health coach. And I guess that's why I'm so passionate about creating awareness around burnout and just helping people around their wellbeing physically and mentally. So I certainly lived through this experience. Tell us, go back to that moment. You were obviously loving your career and then this thing happened or it started to embrace you. I imagine it took place over uh, not just instantly but some, some time. Yes. So with burnout, it tends to creep up on you. So it was over a sort of a six-month period. I'd started to get different signs and signals like waking up in the middle of the night, feeling sick in the stomach, bursting into tears often. Um, also, I had this overwhelming fatigue that set in and then I... I started to feel really negative about my job, which was really out of character for me because I'm a super positive person and I loved being a planner. I loved building relationships with my clients. So it was really strange to all of a sudden, you know, not feel well and not really enjoy what I was doing. I sort of didn't know what was going on. I'm a real coper and normally just get on with things. And I'd been a top performing planner as well. So it was a real shock, uh, but I sort of was so unwell that I was forced to take the time off. I I just want to go through that moment again because... I mean, you are. You, you're obviously confused as what's going on. Yes. But how did that then hit you that this is what it was? Well, I'd sort of been reading about it, but I didn't really understand it. And I remember the day that it happened. I, My husband and I were getting our morning coffee and we were walking back to the car and I just burst into tears and I said, I can't do this anymore. And I... After I'd happened, I'd be, I was seeing my doctor and she thankfully understood what burnout was because a lot of people don't. And she said, look, this is really serious. You're going to have to take some time out. And then I started to do the research. I started to be reading books and online and just really digging into what was going on. And what I understood that it was a combination of reasons. I like the workload with financial planning has really increased. There'd been some changes in the organization that I was working for. And I realized that there was a real mismatch in values. Not that anyone was right or wrong, but for me, I realized I was out of alignment. And that is one of the contributors to burnout. And then also I realized that I was uh, people pleasing. So just squeezing clients in, you know, I was booked out and just still saying yes to everyone. And also being a high achiever, you know, just keep, got to keep pushing through. I've got to keep achieving. So 
that was one of the biggest reasons I burnt out is that I just didn't listen and I kept pushing through because I thought I had to keep achieving. Yeah. Tell me about your husband because he probably recognized something but didn't did he know how to talk to you about it? Well, it's funny because I did burst into tears a lot, which was unlike me. And he kept, I, I know there were some days he was looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And he sort of said to me over leading up to that time, he said, look, if, if you want to leave, you can, you know, if you need to take some time off, do that. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I really wasn't. And I think it was a combination of just realizing that I wasn't in a great place my husband being really supportive and my doctor as well. Yep, yep. Okay, so then you sold your practice or stopped working where you were? I was an employee. So I worked, yeah, stopped working where I was. And then what, uh, tell us the rest of that story. You you then went to, started to investigate being a high achiever, having to find out exactly what was going on with yourself? Yeah, I did. I had to really look internally to my behaviours and why I was pushing myself so hard that, and I had to come to that realisation that, my like my achievements are not who I am and just that I'm enough who I am so I guess that was a bit of a realization and I didn't really realize that I was doing that and then I really was forced to stop take time out rest and I guess it forced me to reevaluate my whole life and on top of that about four months later I actually got a cancer diagnosis so I that is one of the reasons that I'm really passionate about it because if we don't listen to those signs and signals, it can lead to more sinister health outcomes. Yeah, we've often I've often heard the term dis-ease when you're uh, you know not at ease with yourself, and that's yeah. what can bring on uh, those types of disease. But tell us, you've got you've gone back, you've restudied. How was it for somebody who's been so busy to do nothing? was so weird because <laughs> I'd brought up kids too and they were at university at the time so it was kind of like it was the first time I had time for myself I think in 20 years and it was really strange but I also really needed it and it was a real reevaluate my life see what's next and realizing that I didn't want to continue living this treadmill go 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 and not taking more time out and prioritizing my health and well-being So I wanted to have a bit more of a balanced life, still do something I love, which I did love financial planning. um, But I think this sort of forced me into this new chapter. I'd already been studying positive psychology and well-being. So I guess I was kind of leading that way, but this was the catalyst. Yep. I want want to get onto your studies in a second. Um, Tell me about the prioritization piece because you just mentioned that prioritizing your health and well-being is, is great. And we sort of talked about it in a session earlier today where it was how do you schedule that in? Tell us what you think about how people should be scheduling health and well-being into their schedule so that if you look at their schedule, you can see they actually took it seriously. Yes. I think the way that we view rest and recovery needs to change for starters. I think we see that as a weakness and actually it's an accelerator. And it only has to be about micro moments and building that into your day and scheduling it. So it could be you know, at lunchtime, going outside for a 10-minute walk, walking around the block. Or it could be breathing in some mindfulness techniques for a couple of minutes or deep breathing or making sure we unplug. So that's really important because not being able to switch off and disconnect is one of the contributors to burnout or fueling burnout. So really building in those activities daily and they don't need to take a lot of time but they really help with our recovery. 
which helps us to build our capacity to cope with stress and our resilience. So really about micro habits. Yep, fantastic. Now, if we go back to your presentation that you're, you're giving, you're about to give tomorrow because we're actually recording this before you give your presentation. Yep. Uh, tell us a little bit about those three key points you were mentioning. Yes. So what I've worked out is that because burnout is a gradual process, often the signs can be really subtle to start with and we don't sort of take a lot of notice and then it starts to get louder and become worse. So trying to catch those signs and signals early on so we can make sure we're building in that recovery during our day. And I think that's one of the big things. And people don't really realize what burnout is. They might know some of the physical symptoms, but maybe not the emotional or the mental or even cognitive. So the first part is catching it and then checking if in. I, if I just go on there, catch a piece, I think it's really important to be able to think about it from your own point of view, catching it. But also uh, people listening to this might have clients, family members, other people they work with, staff members as well to be looking out for the signs? That is so true. So I'm talking about also for leaders to be able to catch it in their team, so to recognize it in their staff. Because I know I remember talking to my boss before I burnt out and I said, look, I'm feeling really stressed. I think I'm burnt out. Not that I really knew what that was and he didn't know what it was. And it was only the day that I um, resigned that he'd been spoken to or the team leaders had um, from a psychologist around burnout. So he didn't even know it existed. So I think it, there's a real need for awareness and for leaders to be able to pick that up in their team and have conversations so that they can be more proactive and preventative. Yeah, fantastic. And, uh, and tell us about the second step. The yeah, the second part is checking in with yourself. So I think we often might catch some of the signs and signals, but we don't give ourselves permission to stop. We just keep pushing through and... It's really about how can you do a check-in with yourself. So I talk about one of the tools of fatigue to flourishing continuum. That's a visual tool. But then also how else can we do it? Noticing the signs and signals. What sort of stress is it, positive or negative? How long has it been going on for? Checking in with our values. So really, you know, I'm finding that a lot of my clients are disconnected to their values because they're leading such busy lives and you know, we can get out of sync. So I think checking in with our values is a really core one. How are our sleep, nutrition and movement? Often that gives you signs. So we're waking up in the middle of the night or we're starting to skip workouts or maybe with our nutrition, we're not cooking a healthy meal because we're too tired, can't be bothered, we ought to take away or we're drinking, you know, eight cups of coffee to stay awake. And then leaders, I think, building in check-ins with your team. How can you do it either one-on-one or more casually checking in with your team and their well-being and having those conversations. Yeah, for anybody who hasn't done work on understanding their values, what, what are your tips for those people? Because I think you 100% agree, if, if something's disaligned with your values, it's a very quick way to drain your energy. But how do, how do you work out which ones are your values? Yes, so that's something I build in with my clients. I do a values exercise with them. So we talk about, I ask them different questions about values so that they can get an idea of what that actually means to them and then take them through a values exercise around getting to their top four, uh, top five, sorry, values. So they break it down and then working out, are they living in alignment with those values? Because if we are out of alignment, like you said, it can have a profound effect on our well-being. And I often find that that is a really big piece when I'm coaching my clients and when they can come back to their core values and what truly matters, they can then start to prioritize their health and well-being. 
they can, it helps with behavior change. It helps with setting boundaries because then they realize what's really important. I think it's also great to think about from a leader's point of view, what their team members values are and knowing what their team members value. Because if they're misaligned to start with, it's probably a, a, a fast track to working out that they're not the right person for, for the business long term. But if you get it right, there's a, there's a huge positive. Absolutely. And I think it's so important if the business has values that the people working for you also align with those values because they are going to stay, it feels right. Uh, they've got energy because they're enjoying what they're doing. So that's definitely a big piece. Yeah, fantastic. And the, the last sort of area that you're talking about? So then the tools and strategies that we can implement, as I said before, the micro habits that help to keep us healthy and well and things like, you know, prioritizing your sleep, your nutrition and movement and then going into making sure that we press pause in our day to downregulate the nervous system. So things like breath, mindfulness, meditation, being in nature, unplugging and disconnecting. So because we're always on, we're working from home now as well as in the workspace, it's harder to disconnect. So finding times in our day where we can unplug and disconnect and a lot of organizations are starting to implement that in, which is great. Uh, Building in play. Play and fun is really important. It energizes us and there are a lot of health and mental health benefits to to build more of those activities into our week. And I think as adults sometimes we've lost that ability to have fun and to play. So that's super important. And the other part is connection and support. So making sure you've got a good support network around you and especially at work because one of the uh, contributors to burnout is uh, not a, a lack of support in the workplace. And I know in the report that I was reading around financial advisors, the ones that were flourishing had a really good support network and were able to talk to their uh, peers, even though they were going through challenging times or feeling stressed, just being able to talk that through actually helps uh, reduce stress. Yep. I want to talk about um, how long, like how much time is this going to take? Like as in, are we talking, you know, a 10-minute, you know, moment um, every hour? Like what's the sort of time schedule you're thinking when it comes to, say, leaders and working with teams? So with micro habits? Yeah. So it can be a couple of minutes of breathing, deep belly breathing just throughout the day, so three times throughout the day. So building in that recovery. And I'm actually part of a health coaching team that's delivering a corporate wellbeing program. And those participants get a a device that measures their sleep, their recovery, their stress, and their physical activity. So it's been really interesting to see what little things they can build into their day that boost their recovery. It could be drinking more water, so eight glasses. It could be just um, yeah, building in some 10-minute walks throughout the day. So really simple stuff, going to bed earlier or getting out and getting sunshine first thing in the morning because that helps to set our circadian rhythm. So just little things like that, moving more, you know, sleeping, eating well. Yeah. Now, I think I think part of it lies in finding a safe space or providing a safe space in the workplace where you can yeah. maybe do some deep breathing or some meditation. I think that is one of the big things in the workplace. I think we really need to change how we view that rest and recovery and that we're starting to integrate well-being into our day because that is building our resilience, our capacity uh, to cope with stress and obviously 
boosts our productivity because there's an impact not only on our well-being but the bottom line. Yeah, fantastic. Now, Amanda, if people want to come and continue this conversation with you and find out more about uh, you know what you're doing and, and the teams that you're working with, how can they get hold of you and find you? So they can find me on LinkedIn under Amanda Borkham or my business is Still Wellness. So my website is stillwellness.au or on Instagram, stillwellness underscore Amanda Borkham. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Amanda. Really appreciate you coming and sharing your journey and your story with us. And uh, we look forward to your presentation tomorrow. Uh, Good luck. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here.